Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and I'm here today with my husband, Dustin, um, and we are finishing up Acts, and we are starting Ephesians. So... Dustin, what stuck out to you as we read today's passage? So I think something that um, kind of hit me as we read through Acts 28, it's the last chapter of Acts. Yeah. It's kind of a closing to this incredible story of the early church. And then kind of closing to Paul's story, we get a little bit from the epistles and some things there, but it is kind of the last time we see Paul in the narrative of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty significant when you get to the end of a, a book like this. Yeah, so Paul's going to be in prison for the next, I think, two years. Yep, Paul's in prison for two years after this. Um, and he writes all these letters that we're about to read, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Timothy. Um, his ministry doesn't stop because of his, because of his imprisonment. Um, but he, it's funny, this, this last verse says, He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Um He's just, he's not afraid to keep, despite his imprisonment, he's not afraid to keep doing this. Um, I just kind of am impacted by Paul's boldness here. Um, his ministry is not done just because he's in one place. <laughs> um, you had some thoughts about his appeal to Caesar, which is in Acts 28, uh, verse 19. So you want to share a little bit about that? Yes, it's, it's, it's interesting um, the way Paul used his Roman citizenship. Um, ultimately, I think like you mentioned, like, to spread the gospel. That was the point of everything in Paul's life was to further the gospel and to tell people about Jesus. Um, but whether it was like Paul and Silas in prison, uh, he could have just left. He was released. It was over. But he made them escort him out because he's a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. In this situation, we don't know what the sentence was that the Romans um, passed down, mm-hmm. but he wasn't satisfied with it. And so there's a couple thoughts that kind of came to my mind is I think he knew, especially being a past Jewish leader that wanted to kill Christians, Mm -hmm. I think he knew the Jews would not stop until he was dead. Mm -hmm. And so having something from Caesar saying, hey, my sentence is commuted, uh, would be huge. He could now travel unhindered and share the gospel at the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. But in another sense, um, he wasn't afraid of death. Right. And so he knew that if he appealed and his appeal wasn't held up and something changed, which as we can tell through history, it did, it wasn't a problem. He can still go to Rome, mm-hmm. um, especially Rome being such a significant place. Mm-hmm. If the gospel's in Rome, what a, what yeah. an awesome opportunity there too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like what you said, I, this appeal to Caesar isn't just to save his life. It's, I think his, and we've seen this from as we are reading through Acts, his main goal is just spreading the gospel. Like he will stop it. He won't stop at anything um, to make sure that everybody everywhere hears the gospel. And so this appeal to Caesar is not just like, oh, I want to save my own skin. It's um, how can I keep spreading the gospel? The longer he stays alive, the more the gospel gets spread, um, which is pretty incredible to think about that way. <laughs> the passion of his evangelism, really. Um, and then we go into Ephesians. So Ephesians is one of the first letters we'll read. Um as we are walking through these letters that Paul wrote from Rome when he was imprisoned. So uh, Ephesians is uh, the church in Ephesus and is another church that Paul started. I think he spent a couple years there too. Um, so what stuck out to you in this letter to the Ephesians? 
I mean, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament is the Ephesians 1, um, 15 through 23, and it's the prayer um, that Paul puts over the church of Ephesus. He could have prayed a lot of different things in this short paragraph here, mm-hmm. but just the, that we would be given spiritual wisdom and insights. Um, an interesting phrase, that hearts would be flooded with light mm-hmm. and that we would under, they would understand the rich and glorious inheritance. So he's writing this to the church of Ephesus. You know, multiple churches are reading this. These are things that we can take. And, you know, this is something I pray for my kids. We pray for each other as believers. But especially in our culture and in what's going on, um, there's so much darkness. There's so many things that are clouding our hearts. And so that's such an awesome phrase. Hearts should be flooded with light mm. so we can understand the confident hope he's given to us. Um, and then the, just the glorious inheritance that we have. So much of the time we get caught up in um, day-to-day, our busyness, um, short-sighted things. But this glorious inheritance that we have. Um, it's such it's so emphasized here, and this is what something that Paul really wanted the Church of Ephesus to understand. Hey, this is a brand new salvation. Jesus had just come. What does that mean for us? You have a glorious inheritance, and a lot of people understood. It. Like Ephesus was a very rich um, port city in mm-hmm. the empire, so a lot of people understood what inheritance was and what that meant, and and what money was, and and so that was very clear. And so putting in those words, they could sit down and be like. Wow, we have a glorious inheritance through our salvation of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I one of the inheritances or the guarantee of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that verse that the, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised. Um, I think it's I think we can overlook the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, um, but that it's given to us as a gift and a guarantee that the Holy Spirit in us, which we know we have if we're believers is a sign of what is coming. Um, like it's just a little bit of the kingdom of God in our hearts. Um, what's coming in the new heaven on earth. Um, the other thing that kind of stuck out to me is this clarity that he brings that Jews and Gentiles are united. Um, and that Christ is the cornerstone. So I just, I think over and over again, as, as we read through the whole old Testament and now we're in the new Testament, Again, this idea that Gentiles are now welcome um, is probably so radical to Jews. I mean, it is. Um, And those prophecies that all nations would worship God, that even the Gentiles would come and all these different cities would um, bow their knees to the Lord. Um, Well, this is just the beginning of it. As the church is growing, um, as these Gentiles are turning from their pagan beliefs and all the crazy, I mean, crazy things that they were doing and believing and worshiping um, to worshiping the one true God is just fulfillment of these Old Testament prophecies that we read a long time ago. But yeah, this, that he united the Jews and Gentiles is a very important message for both Jews and Gentiles that um, they are part of this kingdom and it's all under one headship and that's Jesus Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's something that um, even Pastor Chris mentioned this in one of his sermons recently was um, unity is not the absence of conflict. It's working through that conflict mm-hmm. and, and becoming um, stronger together. And there was a lot of conflict. There was a lot of growing pains. You know, the Jews didn't understand how to welcome the Gentiles and be okay with some of the things they saw. The Gentiles maybe didn't really care about the Jewish customs and what was going on because they didn't need to mm-hmm. because they were reading you know, what Paul was saying. Mm-hmm. And so there's that conflict, but you see, you know, 2,000 years later, what the church has become. And I think that's such a great thing that we can talk about and think about today. There's so many um, fights and 
quarrels among us about things that don't matter. And you look at a passage like this, we were united um, through the blood of Christ. He brought the Gentiles in. He brought peace to us. He's, you know, we are now one holy um, temple for the Lord. And, um, and especially for us, I think we forget sometimes too, that we are Gentiles. Yeah. And it goes back to that inheritance that we now have access to. And that's something that, um, is, is pretty incredible to think about. Yeah. And Paul draws attention to it by just talking about God's grace and kindness toward everybody that, that the gift we have, the gift of grace that we have is actually a gift. It's nothing that we've done. It's solely through the kindness of God that we are able to enter into this relationship with him. And as these Jews and Gentiles are focusing on the kindness of God, I think that is what kind of softens their hearts towards each other. Um, so it's kind of, he talks about this kindness of God. He talks about saving us through grace. It's salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done or the religiosity that the Jews might've enjoyed or, um, even the Gentiles. Um, but it's a gift from God. And then he goes into oneness and unity. Um, I think that's kind of important to look at the, the, the structure of how he phrases it. So first it's grace. And then because of grace, we're able to be unified. Acts 28, beginning in verse 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. People waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he was not harmed, they changed his mind and decided that he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him and laid his hands on him and he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was Syracuse, where we stayed for three days. From there, we sailed across Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing, so the following day we sailed up the coast of Petulia. There we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the Forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today. So we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, Messiah, has already come. They replied, We have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here, but we want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified that the kingdom of God 
and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the books of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I want you to know that the salvation from God has been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. Ephesians 1. This letter from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So he praised God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom you promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand with a confident hope that he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, 
He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us, who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who are proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God has made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him, and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.